Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. As we record this episode, the Tory government has outlined that it will be requesting yet another extension from Brussels on the deadline for Britain leaving the EU. It follows weeks of deadlock, despite endless parliamentary manoeuvres and cross-party talks. Socialists point out that capitalist politicians are proving their worthlessness. The working class and its organisations must show the way forward. This week, we're discussing the latest news with Brexit and what Jeremy Corbyn should be saying and doing in order to leave the way out of the impasse in the interests of workers. Over to Sarah Rack. I'm here today with Paula Mitchell from the Socialist Party's Executive Committee. Hi, Paula. Hiya. And we're going to be talking, as most of the country is, about Brexit. (laughs) Um, And we've actually tried to find several times to do this podcast, (laughs) Uh, but it's impossible to keep up with the pace of events and the chaos that is facing the government over this issue, isn't it? And it really is complete chaos. It is chaos. (laughs) It's it's like everything's changing and nothing's changing at the same time, but the government could fall at any moment. Um, And it's incredible, really. You think Britain was supposed to have left the EU last week, but there's still no plan in place. And at the same time, there's the same desperate scrabble for some kind of a solution as happened previously, um, running up to a new deadline, except it's even more dramatic than before. Tories are completely split, splintered, unable to govern. Total division between those who want a no-deal Brexit and those who want remain in all but name type of Brexit. And they're split. It's in the news again yesterday that they're split over a second referendum as well. Theresa May clearly is dead woman walking, completely unable to bring her party together. Um, As everyone knows, she had that seven-hour cabinet meeting resulting in nothing and she even locked them in at the end of it until she'd spoken to the press. And even her offering to resign as soon as it's all over didn't do the trick. And then we had all of that stuff last week, the idea that Parliament was taking control because Theresa May and the Tories aren't capable. Um, But even that led to more chaos as all the options in the indicative votes were rejected. And then they had a vote over whether to have more indicative votes, and even that was tied. And now they've had a vote just by a majority of just one to force the Prime Minister to ask for an extension to Brexit. And that is one bit where it looks like there's been a bit of a change in the last day or so, where it looks now like the European Council President, Donald Tusk, is pushing for, they're calling it flextension, um, of uh, up to a year. Uh, to enable some sort of agreement to be reached. And this is the thing, you you describe it and we're sort of laughing about it while describing it. And it would be funny if it wasn't the case that actually it's disastrous and people are are sick of it all. Um, You know, the majority of the population are fearful for the future, angry at the politicians. We're suffering vicious austerity, inequality, poverty. While this shambles is just rumbling on, um, the, there was a poll that said that only 10% of people think the politicians are doing a good job. And you do have to wonder how on earth those 10% drew that conclusion. Um, and I think it is hard, really, to get across, because it's going on day after day and, and seems to be so ridiculous, that actually how deep a crisis this is 
for capitalism. As we said back in 2016, when the referendum took place, that a vote to leave the EU would be a massive blow against the Tories and against British capitalism and the capitalist classes across Europe, and it has been. This is the, we've said it before, but it's the worst crisis they've faced since the Second World War, and they have no reliable political representative to act in their interests. Because actually, what the majority of big business wants, in reality, is to remain in the EU. Um, But now the heads of the bosses club, the CBI, they've come out and they've backed May's deal, which is pragmatic. It's the nearest they can get at this stage to what they want without having to allow Jeremy Corbyn to take control. And really, again, as we've said before, that's the glue. That's the only thing that's prevented the government falling so far, is that what unites all of them, the Tory Brexiteers, the Tory Remainers, Theresa May, the Blairites in the Labour Party, is that they're all united on one thing of trying to prevent a Corbyn-led government. And he is now ahead in the polls. Labour is ahead in the polls. And the general election is like the elephant in the room. It looms over everything as the obvious answer to the impasse, but it's the one that they're all trying to avoid. That's why they're talking about having a unity government, anything, to avoid Corbyn taking power. So given that then, the outcome of that seven-hour cabinet meeting uh, was maybe a bit surprising to some people, that there was speculation about were they going to come out with what they'd call a general election? Was it mm. going to be that they're just going towards no deal? Would they take uh, May's deal back to another vote in Parliament? But instead, the main thing that came out of it was that Theresa May approached Corbyn to have talks on what could be done. Why yes. do you think she took that path? Yeah, well, not for popularity immediately. <laughs> it's certainly resulted in big attacks on her from her more right-wing backbenchers and more resignations. I read that it's now 36 resignations they've had from the government in the last 12 months. And, of course, the right-wing press went mad. He's a Marxist. He's not fit to run the country. And on the surface of it, it does appear to be a desperate measure. It's, you know, an attempt to get a deal or as close to her deal as she can get through Parliament. Because even with all the cajoling and the efforts that she's made, she's still short of Tories and DUP MPs to vote for her deal. So she's hoping to win wider um, Labour support. So there will be more votes next week. I suppose she might hope that dangling the threat of Corbyn in front of them will mean that next week she could win over the extra votes she needs from the Tories. There are There is some movement. Geoffrey Cox is now saying that he could put up with a customs union. Even the DUP MP, Geoffrey Donaldson, has said that his party could agree to a customs union provided it was a temporary staging post. Um, So that's possible that might work. And it could, of course, be that what she's actually expecting is for it all to break down and then she can blame Corbyn. And then she could sort of head towards a general election, positioning herself as the hard Brexiter and Corbyn as the soft Brexit. So what is the Socialist Party saying should be Corbyn's approach in all of this? Well, really, I mean, this is all going on behind closed doors and that's that's what's wrong about it. The talks with Theresa May should be seized by Corbyn as an opportunity to go, you know, to break out of all the parliamentary rules and manoeuvring, go over the heads of the Blairites and all the rest of the politicians, the Tories, and, and to boldly address the public. Um, 
you know, instead of being these sort of secret discussions where nobody knows what the result is or what's being said, he should use this as an opportunity to speak to all the working class and young people and middle class people all over the country who are suffering and who are sick to the back teeth of all of this. Um, you know, instead of just getting bound up in detail of hard or soft Brexit, he should be put in the bold programme to make the workers' Brexit that he's talked about before a reality. So he should be, you know, going in with clear demands that will expose her and, and lay it all out. So like trade arrangements, yes, obviously, that to protect jobs and incomes, but he should be boldly saying the main way to do that, uh, to protect jobs, is to open the books of any company that says it has to shut down or move production or lay off workers, and uh, and if necessary, to nationalise them, to bring them into democratic public ownership to protect those jobs and skills. So like with Honda, for example, at the moment, he should be saying in these talks, demanding of May and pledging that he will do it if he got elected, that if the Honda plant in Swindon is set to close, it should be nationalised. And that those steps are the basis then for being able to plan to use those skills, if necessary, for, for other things, other production that's socially useful, for example, green energy, which was obviously an extremely important issue. You know, it, it could be, he could be using this as a platform for his whole programme. He could be saying uh, that they'll, he'll maintain anything in the EU rules that have any protection for workers' rights but abolish everything that helps to push down wages, that allows the super-exploitation of European migrant workers, that prevents collective bargaining. He should state it clearly to overturn the anti-trade union laws. He should be saying this is a chance now to abolish the EU rules that restrict state aid and that demand privatisation. So a workers' Brexit would mean ending austerity, ending privatisation in the NHS and rebuilding it, a decent minimum wage, at least £10 an hour, ending zero-hour contracts, council houses, and so on. You know, this is an opportunity to boldly fight for all of that. So as we're recording this, we haven't heard exactly what it is that's come out of those talks. Do you think, is any kind of compromise possible between May and Corbyn? Yeah, well, they've had three days of talks and they're saying they're going to have more. There's talk of a written offer and obviously nobody knows what that will say. Maybe nothing substantial. It might be, as I said just now, just in order to blame Corbyn. It could include something on a customs union. It could include something on what they're now calling a confirmatory referendum in order to try to get a deal through. But, of course, if any of those things are in it, then that is politically very dangerous for the Tory party. It could mean actual splits in the Tory party and in Labour because that that is inherent in the situation. Anything with a customs union or a second referendum will split the Tories. And it's not straightforward for Labour either, of course, because they're split, um, particularly on this question of a people's vote, because for the Blairites, that's been one of their main tools to undermine Corbyn. Um, Those that left to form the independent group. They're the outriders and they're used by Tom Watson and the rest of the Blairites to organise in the party against Corbyn and lay the basis for a potential split or driving out Corbyn later down the line. You know, Emily Thornbury has written to all the MPs to say any agreement must include a confirmatory vote, including the option to remain. And unfortunately, Momentum and others on the left, like Kate Osmore, have, have fallen into that trap and have written to Corbyn uh, demanding the same. 
Yeah, that's definitely been kind of the most um, clear message, hasn't it, in both the press and from uh, most Labour MPs who've commented on it, is the issue of a people's vote and that that's what he should be bringing into the talks with May. What do we say should be Corbyn's response to that? Well, the people's vote that uh, we want is a general election and that's what Corbyn should say as well. The Tories are unable to govern. We've got to get them out and fight for a Brexit in the interests of working class people. And and if he did that, said that and used that bold programme that I was just outlining to call people out onto the streets and call on the trade union leaders as well. I mean, the right-wing leadership of Unison have also just said that there should be another referendum. They shouldn't be doing that. They should be organising action to push this rotten lot out. And, you know, we do know it's true that uh, 70%, apparently, of Labour members back a second referendum. But what they're fearing, what people fear, is a Tory Brexit, and they're right to do so. But, of course, if there was a big fight for a general election to drive out the Tories, that would answer that, because it wouldn't be a Tory Brexit anymore. And, uh, you know, Corbyn, in our view, has got to continue to withstand the pressure. I think it's a good sign that uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey was on the news the other day, saying that uh, on the radio, saying that if they get what they want, it won't require a confirmatory vote. And I think that's important, because a second referendum would be seen as a betrayal of working-class people, is still the case in the polls. There's not really been that much movement. The 46% favour a no deal, 39% favour revoking Article 50. Um, any backtracking like this, the space will be left for racist and far-right forces to try to gain ground. So if, there, as you said, a general election is kind of inherent in the situation, despite um, the Tories being desperate to avoid one, if there was a snap general election, what would be the key things in deciding the outcome of that? Well, we would say it's that programme that's that's key. Um, the problem at the moment is that Corbyn isn't putting a clear position boldly out front. He does claim that that is his position, actually, but he allows other people like Keir Starmer to take the lead on his behalf. And, of course, meanwhile, you've got the Blairites like Tom Watson and the rest of them out in front in the press all the time. People are confused. And Labour's presented as a Remain party, but that confusion, we think, could be cut through like a scythe if the if the bold socialist programme was put. Yeah, and we've said that that's the case, isn't it, both on um, what type of Brexit we need and also on the general points of what, what a government yeah. should be doing in terms yeah. of jobs, homes, services uh, yeah. and so on. But this problem... Uh, is one that Corbyn has faced since the referendum in 2016, isn't it? And we've pointed out that really it stems from the mistaken position that he took at the very start during that campaign. Yeah, that's right. It was his first capitulation um, to the Blairites. Um, and, uh, you know, which it underlines really the other points that we've repeatedly made um, since that time, since he uh, got elected. Because um, as well as the manifesto, um, with socialist policies, we've always argued all along that it is essential to democratically organise to remove those Blairites who otherwise are going to continue to campaign against him like they are doing now, continue to surround him and do all they can to prevent that manifesto actually being carried out. They are the representatives of capitalism inside the party. And so the trigger ballot uh, process, which needs to be initiated by the Labour Party NEC, that should be done now 
so that they can start to win fighting candidates as their MP candidates in the interests of working class. Because the reality is, I mean, Corbyn's facing pressure now, but that is as nothing compared with the pressure that a Corbyn-led Labour government would come under. And again, it's a point we've made before on these podcasts and, and in our paper and so on, but we have to keep repeating it that the the capitulation of Syriza in Greece stands as a stark warning. Corbyn could be only the second government in Europe to be elected on an anti-austerity wave, and we don't want a repeat of that capitulation. We need a government that's prepared to stand up to capitalist interests, that's prepared to go all the way with socialist policies, backed up by a mass movement in the workplaces, on the streets, to take over the main parts of the economy and the banks and to run them democratically in the interest of the vast majority instead of the obscene profits of the few. That's why we fight, we want Corbyn in, but it has to be on socialist policies. Absolutely. So I suppose it's watch this space and we'll be back covering it uh, again on future podcasts. Thanks very much, Paula. Thanks. You can read more on the points Paula was outlining there by heading to our episode notes at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. Let us know your thoughts and questions by emailing socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. And to keep hearing more like this on issues from Brexit to the NHS, from Trump to the Russian Revolution, make sure you click subscribe in your podcast app.